Hey everyone, Rose here. Just a quick note. As you listen to this episode, you may notice that the signature sound effects are absent. You'll also notice me mentioning the wildfires that are tearing across New Mexico right now, some of which are just miles away from where I currently live, which is why I decided to cut short my normal editing and production process to try to get this episode out to you in case something changes and I have to evacuate. Wishing everyone else in this state safety and protection and praying for rain. Hi, Gala. Hi, Rose. <laughs> That's adrenaline. I'm actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Running on it. Listen, Listen, I don't ever forget about that Aries placement of yours. Let me tell you what. You know, just you know, give me some disaster to react to. Just a little spark plug. Uh huh. Um. Yep. Little starter. Little starter. Me and Drew B. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to try to really just hang out with you and ignore the fact that I don't know where my passport is. And my dentist called and said that they are maybe evacuating tomorrow. So I might not have to go to the dentist. So I'm struck with the first time in my life that having to go to the dentist would be a really fantastic thing. I love going to the dentist. Why are you really good? And they're always like, wow, golly, your mouth's so good and clean. No, I just grew up like, without dental and I grew up on welfare, I grew up without any kind of dental care. And like, and so whenever I feel like I can go to the dentist, like I have the privilege to have dental access, I think I just like, you know, I'm also just like this Jew. Like I just like imagine the worst case scenarios for everything. Like, oh, I have an ache. Probably I have this infection. It's going to go to my brain, you know? So like going somewhere and having someone be like, this is fine. This is it. We're going to do these minor fixes. Everything's under control. Also, here's a polish. You know, I'm like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One less existential thought. Yeah. Thank God. That's fair. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it is a privilege that I haven't had until this year. It turns out that New Mexico has actually pretty fantastic socialized healthcare. Um, just another reason to hate most of America. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I guess to brave the fires. <laughs> right. So there is that, right? You can have healthcare or fires, right? Uh, you can have water <laughs> uh, and Lyme's disease or no water and no Lyme's <laughs> disease. And so, you know, choice we make, you know? That's uh, that's Rose detailing the difference between living <laughs> in upstate New York and living in New Mexico. Precisely. And I will say that that nexus that Rose is describing is very accurate because it's something that um, I think that dykes of a certain age of a medium age (laughs) are thinking about fairly frequently now, especially some of us who are already seeing um, different kinds of uh, physical ability come or disability come to the front because it's like, all right, well, 
living in a city is destroying my body. Should I move to the country or like a slower pace? Oh, what country? Is it the one where I'm going to have co-infections from a major virus? Or is it the one where everything that I rely on could get burnt down in a second? Or is it um, living on the other coast where there's just constant smog and constant fires along the coast? Like, or flooding or Republican governors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess, I guess we are just in a spooky season. We're, no, we're in a turnover. The earth is turning over, unfortunately, um, for yeah. some human beings, including us. And yeah. we're witnessing it, you know? So welcome to tourist season. <laughs> mm, welcome to tourist season with Uranus co-present and yeah. eclipse season and mercury retrograde right because why not just like pile it on why not make the sign most inclined to seek comfort the least comfortable i mean i think that's a part of things right is that taurus is often prioritizing comfort because they notice incongruities very quickly so they are are often a little uncomfortable they're like what's this why is this here Mm, what's this about (laughs) like the princess and the pea or something yeah yeah or yeah. just like yeah like that would be like the material example of a torian perspective but i do feel like there's this element of um Tor- torian integrity yeah. that always identifies like the misnomer or the outlier they're just like what yeah what's this <laughs> and, and i feel like likewise there can be a tendency to like really hold on to or get like annoyed by it too like it takes a while to ruffle them but yeah if once they spot it you know it's like i can no longer walk with this pebble in my shoe mm-hmm. i think i think in in my um experience or study it it feels like Torians get more ruffled by that type of stuff than by large issues so it's like oh this person is like you know, a philanderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't all humans a little, you know, it's like they'll just sort of be like, well, this is a human problem for which we must come up with human solutions in yeah. due time. Yeah. But meanwhile, it's like, why would you buy this size paper, which does not collate with the previous paper rules that we had? Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you do that to us and to this company? they'll stay in a job for 15 years that they hate and then complain about the new guy who like uses pencils and then doesn't resharpen them and you're mm-hmm. like huh interesting <laughs> there's a matter of scale what is it tell me about that scale who designs it <laughs> unclear. unclear unclear don't ask me i have a Moon Jupiter opposition. I have no idea. Really depends on how I'm feeling. Fuck. All right. No. Well, let's just let's um let's give our listeners a sense of scale. How yeah, about let's that? Do it. Let's do it. What are we going to talk about today? What are we bringing to the fore? What do we got on our plates? This today? is our red light special eclipse episode. Nice. We're talking about pleasure and death. We're talking about the Taurus Scorpio axis, right? Or mm-hmm. as a as a meme that I saw recently likes to put it, the horny spooky axis. Shout out to Specky Geek Girl, who's the first known contributor. The one who has illuminated us to the yeah. phrasing the horny spooky axis. Which is like as good as the Kalani says axis, I think. 
like I think so too. <laughs> Except like it's just although that access seems to be just like two different kinds of horny. Like I I'm not sure too. what's spooky there. I mean, I guess sometimes it seems like Sizzle like is invested in the spooky. Like yeah. there's an interest in the spooky, but I have not seen anything particularly ghostly going on. You know, yeah, it's a, it's like unless it's like go like like ghost of X's past. <laughs> yeah, it's like that kind of. It's haunted in a different way, right? It's 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 gay haunted. I think that's why the the dykes love it is because there's like the yeah. amount of haunting that's happening. Like, is are the yearning. <laughs> The haunted yearning is very gay, even if the subject is not. Fair. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, what else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about killing Eve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some astrology, too. And some other That's little true. tidbits. Play a game, maybe, you know? Ooh, definitely. Yeah. Say definitely. Pleasure Say forward. yes. Definitely. <laughs> we need it. Right? Because mm -hmm. that's also, I think there's something there about pleasure being... Um, an antidote as well in times of despair when the spooky is near. Yeah. I mean, do, are we covering a lot of ground? Sure. More is more. Yeah. That's it. With Taurus on the North node. Yes. Handle it. Just handle, handle it. it. <laughs> That's fine. So where do we begin? Where do we dive in? Should we just go straight to the candy? Should we just go straight to killing Eve since we can finally talk about it? Cause I've only watched it. It's finally over. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Okay, let's let's try to place ourselves in mm -hmm. the in the family of things mm -hmm. as a Taurus would like to do in the herd. <laughs> um, what what does killing Eve have to do with this eclipse cycle? I think the thing about eclipses and anything that's running along an axis is we're initially presented with something as though the two ends are separate, right? Mm -hmm. And that there's a clear direction for each of them and never the twain shall meet. And I think that there's a certain inversion that occurs in these kind of revelatory transits and processes where uh, somebody muddies the water somehow, or we realize maybe like, like the yin and yang, that there's actually a little bit of each opposite contained within, right? And I think that killing Eve does just that in that in the beginning we're, we're presented with two protagonists who we're told are diametrically opposed. And something else is revealed to us very slowly over the course of the four seasons. What's revealed to us, Rose? I mean, we start to understand that um, <laughs> Villanelle, who we at first take for an utter sociopath, does in fact have feelings and, and loyalty, right? And we discover that Eve, who claimed that she was in this to solve the crime and for noble service of her home and state, turns out is actually like really turned on by the more dangerous um, and kind of more amoral aspects of this journey, right? Right. In some ways, almost doesn't have loyalty, to be all. frank, right? Because <laughs> it's like, her partner gets killed by Villanelle, like her husband is attacked, you know? She's just like this bitch, but inside she's like, I hope this bitch fingers me. You know what I mean? Like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that's what's so delicious about the final season is we get to like, we, we've thrown any kind of um, affectation out the window, right? We're no longer invested in, in the initial narrative. We're actually just trying to see how wild this gets, right? 
it really keeps turning the tables. Yes. Like you really know, you really start out feeling like you know who's in charge of the narrative mm-hmm. or where people will wind up. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you're not sure what's going on or why. Like, why does Eve have this sexual relationship with this other agent? Like, what's the point? Is that for us? Is that is that sort of like, um, I feel like I, as a viewer, had this moment where all of a sudden I was inside of the writer's room and they were haggling and they were like, we don't want to queer bait anymore. We got to give the viewers some queer sex, but we can't give them Villanelle yet. So we have to do something else. (laughs) We have to give Eve some other queer sexual attention that like will show our queer viewers that she is in fact capable of material queer eroticism and not just like psychological queer eroticism, but we're not going to give them what they've been waiting for, but we are going to let them know that we're not liars. (laughs) We're not fakers. (laughs) Are you talking about Helen? Yeah. 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 That's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, that was good. That was cool. I appreciated that. For sure. But then she kidnaps her daughter. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, okay, who's the villain now? <laughs> who's the villain now? Exactly. That's a slant rhyme, everybody. Oh, uh, do you think that's what Phoebe Waller's Bridge was thinking about doing? I have no idea what that person thinks about. Yeah, it's right. I mean, when you think about like the range of television that they have um, been responsible for. It's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite all over the place. I will say that one thing this show does do is make all lesbians look pretty homicidal, right? If we think about who they give us, they give us Gunner, right? Who just wants Philanel to stay on the island with her, but like has some cool outfits, does some cool stuff. When they like fight and then like fall on the ground laughing and then are like, can I stay here? I was like, oh my God, is that a fire sign first date? What's happening? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something, you know what I mean? I did. It was sort of like sociopath for sociopath, right? Um, But isn't that the whole show? It is and it isn't. I think that the show is built on attention of not knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that when Eve and um, Villanelle are placed against each other, they are uncovering themselves through each other. Yeah. So it's not about being like, this is who I am and this is what I bring to the table. That's sort of the... Um, the place of pain, it's not what brings them. So the place of pain is who they are, right? It's sort of like Eve is drawn and then she's like, but this is who I am, so I can't go all the way. Yeah. And like Villanelle is drawn, but then she's like, this is who I'll always be, so what's the point, yeah. you know? Yeah. But what they come to at the center is a kind of unknowing, right? I could be mm. something else. I could become something else. I'm capable of love. I'm capable of violence, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Whereas when Villanelle is with, Gun is that their Gunner. name? Gun. I think it's Gunner. But Gunner. I can check. When Villanelle's with Gunner, it's a moment where 
they um, just unabashedly step into their violent identities together. And they're very much like, this is who I am. This is who you are. We are the same. We share the same lust. And that um, it's funny because that combination, right, is a place where Villanelle finds out who she's not. <laughs> right. You know, as opposed to who she could be. She's like, well, you know what? Not for me. <laughs> not like this, actually. <laughs> and I misspoke. Gun is the name of the other assassin. Gun, Gunther, Gunner. Central Perk, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, you know, and I think that is also something interesting when we think about that axis, if we're going to lay it over killing Eve, right? Um, this Taurus Scorpio, right? Like, are you nurturing things or are you destroying them, right? But are you destroying them in the service of new birth or are you nurturing something that like actually you need to stop giving attention to, right? I think that there is something about the South Node that sometimes like, yeah, we find out who or what we are not by by being confronted with it or what parts we need to let go of, right? I also want to just say, FYI, that Phoebe Waller's-Bridge's um, natal chart has the North Node in Taurus. Of course. Just to, just to bring it around, just to bring it back. <laughs> of course. Of course she's having a nodal return right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I think that... I think that she did the right thing, right? I was reading The Mountain Astrologer... Um, and there was an article about trying to find ways to overlay or integrate more traditional definitions of the North Node and and South Node, right? Because modern astrology is very much like, go to the North, go away from the South. North is always good. South is always bad. Whereas mm-hmm. um, in more traditional understanding, there, there's an idea that like the North Node will grow what's good and grow what's bad. And the South mm-hmm. Node will shrink both as well, right? And so that like the South Node could be good for spiritual gain, whereas the North Node is good for material gain. But finding a way to know when to stop when you've had enough instead of just like doing it and doing it and doing it. Well. Sounds like sending a show off right in the fourth season, you know? Mm-hmm, Instead mm-hmm. of dragging it out for six or seven or nine where it just stops making sense or Grey's Anatomying the fucking thing. Right. That's not doing it well. <laughs> not anymore, right? Okay. I mean, listen, I mean, obviously we're doing some Sandra O discussions yes. and yeah, I mean, it really lost something when she left. Right. It's so true. that was, I can, I can definitely I know, go down a digression we of could. my, my friends at the hospital. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> our friends, Gala, they're our friends. <laughs> Okay, well, what about, let's go back a little bit to Villanelle and Eve. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, spoiler alert, th- we are just talking about the whole show. So if you haven't watched it, I don't know what to tell you. Um, we're going to talk about it. We'll but give you a little warning it, before we go into it. If you'd like to miss spoilers on Killing Eve, please skip ahead to 24 minutes. Yeah, but um, what do you think about what do you think about the ending? How do you feel? Lots of lots of lots of dykes and and lesbians and and everyone in between is distraught about this uh, Thelma and Louise style situation. What do you think? Well, I think it's actually not accurate to call it Thelma and Louise because 
Eve doesn't die. How do you know? She pops out of the water alive. They would have showed her dying if they wanted us to see her die. Mm. And that wasn't part of Caroline's prerogative. Caroline's prerogative was to hunt down and kill every member of the Twelve. And she let Eve think that that was her own prerogative. And she let Villanelle think that that was her own prerogative as well. Hmm. Maybe in my mind, I was just like, they're both dead. Godspeed. And I just was like, peace sign out, you know? <laughs> I mean, because that like offers some hope, but it's also like, not really. Hope. <laughs> what are you, a Scorpio? It offers some hope that they're both dead. <laughs> What's going on there? Well, I think it's better. Like, if one of you is going to die and you're in love, it's better for both of you to die, don't you think? What is this, The Haunting of Hill House? Listen, um, no. People can live. There's life after love, says Cher, the Taurus. See? Once again, we're coming up against this dilemma. (laughs) What is the dilemma? Is there life after love? Is that the dilemma? Yeah, there is. I'm here to tell everyone that there is. Sometimes, honestly, there's better life after love. It's true. Let's be real. Yeah. Sometimes love is not enough. Sometimes love is one thing and peace is another. Yeah. Some facts. Yeah. It's real. Um, And, you know, at the end, didn't get either, right? But I I think it was satisfying. Plus, they like love each other and they're just getting to the fucking part. Like in a couple of months, they're going to have some bitter conversations about somebody's dead partner and best friend and things and and somebody else is just not going to apologize. And somebody's <laughs> going to put fucking tea bags in the compost bin. You know what I mean? And they're not going to break down. And then there's going to be a real argument. You're supposed to be able to compost tea bags, aren't you? Yeah. But then people will throw like the lacy ones with the string in that are like high gloss, which is like, no, it has to be carbon paper. Like, yeah, obviously. It. You can't yeah. just throw some high gloss stuff in the compost. Thing You need like, you know, you can put in some tension tamer. That'll break down. Still got to pull the tag off. Luxury. Anyway, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, it got cut off before it got sour, before it got bad, before it got too real. You know, mm-hmm. they were able to leave in a fantasy. I, I, think the, I think the thing is, like, we have to remember that the way that this show like ratchets up drama and violence there there's actually like there's a point of no return with the escalation and at this point like what are they gonna do they gonna just drive an rv around and just like murder everyone for years like what's their what's their plan like this show starts out with jody comer knocking an ice cream cone out of a child's hand we are not Mm -hmm. in for a happy ending Mm -hmm. it's true and also, like, you know, they're used to a lot more money than they're going to be making on the run. Other facts. Real facts. Torian facts. Exactly. How are they going to support their lesbian lifestyle? Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. Yeah, it's like they're going to die as they lived, and it wouldn't make sense for it to be any other way. So for people to expect it to, like, then actually turn into, like, a charming romantic comedy it's like laughable, right? Or like a warm-hearted romance. Like that's not what this is. This is like a, a murder lust parade. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is like literally what happens in like a like a like a Torian story about 
a Pisces and a Cancer. Like where are a Pisces and a Cancer? I mean, sorry, if you've been together for many, many years, great job on finding a natal chart that has some great synchronicities, <laughs> but like just, just a lot of water. <laughs> I'm going to keep you swimming, going to keep you treading for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I mean, yeah, needs need something in there to make it a little more material or lasting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, are there any other shows that are doing what, you know, what Killing Eve is doing with this sort of uh, kind of a, tapping into the zeitgeist the this eclipsian nodal zeitgeist i mean i was watching like some horny period pieces that kind of were (laughs) is that what you're talking about i mean i don't know tell me about your horny period pieces the dirty films that rose likes um so initially when we were talking about the taurus scorpio axis and i asked gala if she had seen benedetta (laughs) Because I thought that was kind of like pretty on brand, right? It's, and so it was like a sensational French film of a true story about a lesbian mystic nun who reportedly was able to keep the Black Plague out of Pesha. But basically the reason I was thinking about it is because it explores the idea of whether or not you can trust pleasure, right? It's a very sensual movie that also involves like torture and the Inquisition and like the reality that like inside this institution that's protected in the walls, like there is like this deep exploration of pleasure. Meanwhile, outside, like literally the Black Plague is just like devouring people. So that's where I was thinking about like the North Node, South Node. And then there's kind of an inversion that occurs in the power structure. And like basically the the main argument by Benedetta, who it's about, is that it's actually Jesus inspiring all of her lascivious sapphic acts, and therefore, like, it's inherently good, even though uh, (laughs) um, some other people would argue otherwise. Well, I mean, I feel like it's worthwhile to point out that both of these shows have a Jesus arc, or like a a kind of like looking for a kind of salvation or a safety um, in the sacrament. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, what it sounds like you're describing to me is, a you know, a particular kind of tension within the Scorpio Taurus axis that, you know, has to do kind of like with security versus the sacred, um, yeah. and how sometimes those two things are seen as one, right? So yeah. to be safe, to be ensconced in church and religion in something that has a larger structure and mm-hmm. that can give you a sense of material safety, yeah. you know, and the kind of scorpionic understanding in the mystery that there's so much unknowable, yeah. right. And that you can't, you can't find safety in a kind of a sacred that's uh, parametered. Yeah because that is actually a figment of the human imagination and that nobody escapes death. It comes for us all, unfortunately, except zombies who have their own problems and vampires who are very hungry and sometimes children. (sighs) Respect Kristen Dunst. A Taurus, by the way. 
you know, just another, like a, like another sort of something for queer women everywhere. Right. Like what is Kristen Dunst? Why? What is why (laughs) her like cat teeth, her sadness, the swing of her breasts. They're just in my mind. All of, all of it from all these different movies, you know, she's like a, a casual route. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's casual. I would say for me, it's not casual. It's sort of like, um, what do you call it? Uh, some kind of initiation. Like it's something that is outside of, you know, what I seek. Yeah. It sort of just came to me. Like just watching her in, in The Virgin Suicides, right? Watching her in Crazy Beautiful, <laughs> the, the lovable dumpster fire that you know is her in that cheerleading movie drop bring dead it gorgeous on. oh bring no it bring it out drop dead gorgeous all right old face <laughs> wrong <laughs> medium medium age <laughs> okay but she was also in that movie was she baby kristen dunst yeah how old is she in drop dead gorgeous mm, like 19 or something mm-hmm yeah. yeah, or like melancholia. Mm-hmm. That's a gay mood. That is gay. <laughs> There's like one person floating through the hetero patriarchy, you know, kind of, yeah, like taking the sacrament of marriage or whatever yeah. and just opposite, suffering through it. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, and I think there's also something about uh, the, the Turian impulse to like fully embody like who you are, you know, as opposed to maybe like a scorpionic desire to retain some mystery as a means of safety a lot of the time, right? For sure. But there's also this like, there's the kind of uh, the personal versus collective version of these mm-hmm. things. So I feel like in a, in a smaller scale, for sure, like there's like the Scorpio, the, Scorp- the Scorpio human subject might in fact be retaining some mystery, um, sort of keeping something back. But whereas like the Torian impulse is to project integrity, right? To be like, this is the whole of me. This is it. Yeah. Right. There's actually a lot of holding back, right? There's yeah, a lot of true, like because the Tor the Torian impulse is to present a whole picture. Yeah without fracture right and i think that the scorpionic instinct is in some ways to encompass as many selves as possible Mm. (laughs) like (laughs) past lives future lives other (laughs) lives parallel lives to like hold all of those lives at once and be like i don't know who you're gonna get yeah 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 that's dip your toe in the water it's (laughs) fine but also there's sharks i don't know do you want to hear about another horny film that is queer but not queer I really love hearing you talk about <laughs> horny films, Rose. Oh, that was the thing. It was like the horny spooky axis, right? And it was like, Benedetta was very horny and also like horrifying because the Inquisition was involved, right? Uh, literal torture. Um, so the other movie on the horny spooky axis, but this is more of the Kalani says axis because it's really speaking again to like the haunting of past love and the way that like people who experience profound loss together can sometimes just slowly destroy each other. And so the other movie that I was watching that I was like, this is on brand is the last mistress. Have you seen that film? I don't think so. Who's in that? 
it's another French film. Um, Asia Argento is in it. And then some guy who's basically a lesbian, lesbian proxy. And then some cool French version of basically Diana Rigg. Like it's very much like tell Cersei. I want her to know it's me, but instead. There's this wealthy, I think she's a countess. She wants to marry her granddaughter off to this guy, Rhino de Marigny. This is the lesbian proxy. I will send you pictures later. He's a lesbian. Here's the thing about him. He came from a good family, but he's a gambler and he's penniless. And there is this rumor that he has this mistress who he's had for 10 years who he'll never break up with, right? And so the grandma is like, come over and tell me the entire story of your entire relationship with your mistress. And then I'll decide if you can still marry my granddaughter. And so like the whole film is just like this flashback of him. Sounds like very like Russian fable. Yeah, very much so, right? So he does, and basically it gets unraveled that she came to town, married to this old rich guy, and was like kind of courting his best friend. And then he basically like negged her into developing a crush on him and then they started this torrid affair right so they have a lot of cool weird grinding sex and she does her hair in this way where she makes like literally a butt with her hair on her face it's amazing Ooh, a butt yeah it's like it's like a, a butt shape that's supposed to symbolize has negging ever worked for anybody has negging ever worked for you for me yes not on purpose it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't on purpose i really did not expect you to say yes i've never consciously been like you know what the pickup artist said you should do this but you know what do you know what i know about you that makes that makes it like of course it's your virgo moon i know know. on my descendant that's the thing i just know virgo's like a little negging i'm sorry it's true and but like i don't mean i didn't even like it's not even conscious that's a hard thing right it just like happens but yeah i can think of quite a few people who have gone on to date who i like made fun of at our first meeting and maybe even upset them like pretty significantly (laughs) yeah i I think my problem with neg negging retraining is that as a russian like negging is so common and then i also have had like I kind of had a rotation of Virgo lovers, like in the very beginning of my life, like a formative Mm. Virgo dating experience. So like, as I was getting older, I was like, this is what people like. Yes. (laughs) 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 Your hair's kind of stupid, you know? (laughs) And, you know, and then of course I went from, you know, dating Virgos to like, just dating sensitive areas so you cannot neg for the light like you just cannot absolutely 100 percent no because they're just they will neg you but if you neg them yeah they will throw a fire dart at you it's true so what do you feel like the happy medium is just sages no I mean, Gala's dating corner. Gala's dating corner digression. I think that with the Sag, you just got to play, you can play it really cool and involved in an intellectual way. You want to remember the things they've said. You want to do a lot of callback. Mm -hmm. Like, you want to do a lot of like joke to joke. You want to let them. Theater. Yeah. But you don't don't want to be like. So when are, so like, when are you going to like, 
okay, no, here's the thing. You could actually go to a Sag and be like, so when are we going to fuck? And they'll mm-hmm. be like, I don't know when. And that's what you'll do for like two years. So- <laughs> <laughs> what if you're like next Friday? Then if, if they're already into it, they'll just be like, cool, see you then. And if they're not, they'll be like, what about next Friday? And they'll do that for two years. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> And then if you do that five times, all of a sudden you've got the entire relationship that was had in the last mistress. With this, the sort of like deferral, the the pleasure deferred, is that what you're speaking of? No, the pleasure isn't deferred. The pleasure is exacted and extracted nearly every time. Um, but then a, a, they have a child together, gets stung by a literal scorpion in the desert and dies. And that's kind of when their affair really starts to deteriorate. Um, and then they just like have hate sex for five years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hate so, sex. That felt very horny, spooky access to me, right? Yeah. Scorpios love hate sex. Illicit fa- affair, pleasure forward. And then like they have a baby together that then dies and then it slowly kills them while keeping them alive. And the whole thing yeah. is like an open secret too, which I feel like is kind of on the axis, right? There's mm-hmm. something about the open secret. Tell me more. Well, I think that like the Scorpio side is the deep knowing, but then like the Taurus side is the like, but we're not going to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I feel like there's also something about Taurian stalwartness mm. that um, they're actually such passionate people and yeah. they're really romantic, right? Venus ruled but it's kind of private and it's sometimes even private from their lovers Mm -hmm. to some extent. I mean, the romantic gestures are there, but the vulnerability, like the amount, the, the height, the height of the stakes, (laughs) you know, um, how much they've actually invested it, they can hold it so privately that when, when those relationships are troubled or when they're actually built on shaky ground, a Taurus will be like, I will just be the ground. Yeah. My body will be the ground. <laughs> yeah. Plow you know? under, right. Mm-hmm. A couple different ways. <laughs> That's my horny movie corner. <laughs> so yeah, Ooh. if you want to really get into it and you can handle some, some gnarly implied torture, you should definitely watch Benedetta. Um, <laughs> And if you, like me, are well-practiced at imagining mask-dyke personalities over androgynous young men, then The Last Mistress might be good for you as well. Yeah, it's like, it's like pulling like a Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, even to some extent, young Patrick Swayze. Listen... We're Swayze gonna get there the angel. Later. We're gonna get there they don't later. care about us, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of things to watch from your cows, because it is tourist season and the world is overwhelming. Is there some reality TV that may? And also, wait, Gala, we've talked about this lightly, but you made a real case for me for the Torian passion for reality TV that I feel like maybe you could share with our listeners. 
Uh, well, I just, here's the thing, like so many passions of my own as a, as a Taurus moon, <laughs> it's like what I, what I perceive, what I create is very different from like what I consume. Yeah. And I'm actually not a huge reality TV person myself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, with many factors, I think it has to do with like harmony issues. Like I'm like, I have a lot of Libra in my chart mm -hmm. and I just feel like reality TV can be so disharmonious that yeah. I'm just like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what the storyline is. Like it's just not working out. Yeah. That said, I do think that Torian people, people with heavy tourist placements really love mess <laughs> and they love to watch mess on TV and um, the kind of reality TV that a tourist is drawn to, I think will largely be dictated by their other placements. Sure. But I do think that Torian people really love to watch human beings being fallible or vulnerable or just human, right? Just like mm. whatever it is. In a, con in a contained and controlled setting that for them is somehow very satisfying. And I've noticed this across the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my sort of, uh, my theory is that reality TV was very appealing to a Torian person. Yeah. And it's interesting. I like the way that you described it about like having it in a contained environment, right? Because most of the behavior exhibited on most reality TV, I think if, any of us showed up into a Taurus's life with it, they'd be like, oh, hell no. Get this the fuck out of here. But there is that titillation and fascination. Well, Taurian people also don't let a lot of people deeply into their life. I mean, yeah. they have coworkers, et cetera, sure. which they have to, and they make allowances. <laughs> but I do think that Taurian people are sort of like Seinfeld. They often have like three friends or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like, I do think that, um, they're so loyal. They're so loyal and they're so actually generous yeah. um, that oftentimes they will, when they have people in their life close in, they can't actually allow themselves to judge those people too harshly yeah. because once they start judging the people who are actually in their lives, they won't be able to hold those people in their lives anymore. Like the integrity has to be throughout. So it's like, and I feel that as a Taurus moon, I feel like there's element where either I kind of ignore certain aspects of a person's character and I'm just like, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or if I let myself see it, it's all I'm going to see. Yeah. And, and then I can't in good conscience keep spending time because I'll be like, well, can't respect you. I don't respect you. You know, right. but don't you think and that's so, also part of that desire for holism? Right. Exactly. So in a TV show like this, they get to actually have the pleasure of judgment. <laughs> Totally. Right? Without get the repercussions. Get, yeah. yeah, they get to like have the hu the pleasure of being really close to human character and like just like judging them on the tiny bullshit things that Taurus needs to be right, like that paper collation, like that <laughs> fucking sharpened pencil, like the way that they phrase something, and they don't lose friends over it. Yeah. They don't wind up having to like have someone get close to them and then have to cut off a limb from their tree. Yeah, right. Because there is that like desire to 
invest in relationship and to acquire it is Venus ruled, right? And and that like it's not really taken lightly or done halfway, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, to not have to go through the pain of, of losing that and to have that pleasure is pretty, pretty fun. Um, and I think that there's a reality show that you had in mind that uh, really perfectly sums up this dilemma right <laughs> well yeah i think that you brought up actually i've had several torians and you bring it up to mm-hmm. me which is the ultimatum show that's been on netflix <laughs> but to bh i just like don't it's very hard for me to love heterosexual mess you know like but you've watched it yeah i have watched it and and as we were talking but gal and i privately were talking about it and talking about how yeah it, Basically, the premise of the show, right, is that there are couples where one of them has given them the ultimatum, right? One is ready to move in or get married and the other person isn't. And so they are presented with boom, 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 the ultimatum, right? It's another Nick Lachey, terrible dating show spinoff. And so basically there's a handful of couples. They agree to go on this show. And so what they're going to do is they're going to effectively break up for three weeks try to date the other people's people, pick one of them, and if they both get a match, like on Tinder, then then they get to stay. So it it slowly culls the couples, right, through the, through the process, because if you want three people and nobody wants you, then, like, you, you can't stay. Um, but so then for three weeks, these people move in together with somebody else's scorned ex who either gave or was given an ultimatum. And then after those three weeks are over, they move back in with their original partner and then they decide if they would like to blow up their initial relationship or actually make that commitment and either get engaged or move in together, right? And so we were talking about how this is like the stabilizer blow it up, which is very much Taurus, North Node, stabilize, strengthen, maintain, Scorpio, South Node, blow it up, start fresh, start over. I mean, and listen, as a Scorpio Taurus person myself, I'm not going to say that I like to make ultimatums, but I can say that I, that I feel them within me, you know, like I might not make them, but I feel them. I feel ultimatums within me all the time. They bubble in my subconscious. (laughs) That makes sense to me about you. Um, And, and yeah, I think that it's interesting, but then also ironic for ultimatums to be issued from a fixed sign, right? Because in general, what fixed energy is very good at is keeping doing whatever it's doing. And in general, an ultimatum is usually around some kind of shift that needs to be made, right? I understand why you're you're saying this. Clearly the fixed sign is not the one that's supposed to change. I feel like, what do you... (laughs) Exactly, but the irony of like asking somebody to do something that like you probably would never do, right? Like, can you imagine a like how how do you feel like it goes when Taurus or Scorpio or really any fixed sign receives an ultimatum? Generally not well. (laughs) Never well, you see. But I think that I'll, I'll tell you, I think that the fixed energy and this includes the Aquarius, of course, is the, is that like a part of those ultimatums are often born of a person who feels like they are being consistent, right? Mm-hmm. Like the ultimatum it bubbles up from a place of like, I show up the same. Mm-hmm. I show up consistent. You are erratic. <laughs> you are mixed signal. <laughs> 
<laughs> you are not being yeah. clear. You got to yeah. make a fucking choice for once in your life. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know where we're going. And I would like to know because I have plans and like they take a certain path. And I can't tell if you're coming with me or not. Gotta know yeah, where and, stand. Like, and that Pisces energy is like, I was here yesterday, but today I don't know. And I mean, I am here in some ways, but in other ways, also I'm there, you know, and also like, what is here and there? Like, you know, why do we even have to talk about that in that way? And then the Scorpio is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> then the Scorpio is like packing their essentials in a duffel bag and leaving. No, they're not. They're just crying. Yeah, that's fair. Scorpios are big criers. Scorpio placements. They're just crying. <laughs> just Do like, you think that Scorpios or Pisces cry more, though? I actually think in an argument that Scorpios cry more. I think that Pisces... I mean, there's no... Crying is just universal. Everybody cries. Like, I mean, everybody yeah. poops. But yeah. I think that, like, Pisceans process through their tears. Like, sometimes, like, you know, they're just, like, walking through the world, like, Piscean placements, and they're just like, oh, like, the sky crying, you know? Like, yes, or I they do. take it home, and they're like, I need to be alone for crying, you know? Whereas, like, Scorpio, it's like, that's Martian. Like, it's just, like, it'll be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. They'll just be like... Now you have done it. I am leaking. <laughs> yeah, it's real. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think I think you're right that it's like it's a little, little unfocused with Pisces. It's like squirt here, squirt there, happy tears, sad tears, funny tears, awe tears, overwhelm, underwhelm. <laughs> I'm on a bus. <laughs> I feel like given our little conversation about all the ways that Scorpio and Taurus have a hard time letting go yeah, and making ultimatums. Maybe we can play a little game around Ooh, ultimatums. I like that. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Bella, tell me more. Well, have you ever heard of this game called pancakes or waffles? <laughs> yes, I have. In fact, I think I told you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you giving away the secrets of the structure of the plan? Now we know which end of the axis I'm representing today. <laughs> i am the great veil of mystery um well would you like to play a pancakes or waffle style game with me today i would and is this game is this game actually like um perhaps also kind of centered around folks who fall on this horny spooky axis yes in fact you are correct. This is a game that pits Scorpios and Tauruses <laughs> against one another. Uh -huh. And um, until there's a final showdown. Mm, mm -hmm, sounds mm -hmm. good. It's going to be a grab bag at that point. You could be Taurus against Taurus, Scorpio against Scorpio, horny against horny, spooky against spooky. <laughs> well, without further ado, um, do you want to ask your answer for the first chunk? Um. Let me just start. I'll start. Okay. I want to start. All right. Okay. So you have to keep one. Okay. Right. Okay. But <laughs> I feel like with some of our options, it's not so much keep, it's more like uh, the champion. So it's mm. like who beats out who. I see. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Let me so <laughs> as an iconic 90s moment, would you rather keep? Rosario Dawson's version of Mimi and Rent 
or the free Winona movement? I keep free Winona, to be honest. All right. I just feel like she's really given a lot to our community peripherally and I heard some bad things about Rosario Dawson. Plus rent is atrocious. Come on. Well, at least at least that version is yeah, definitely version, yeah. you know, it's definitely it's a poor man's rent, which is funny to say. Um, but <laughs> just a couple les misses over here telling you <laughs> what's what. I'm gonna ratchet it up a notch. Um to some horrors this is on the spooky <laughs> axis um slash just like behavior i wouldn't necessarily encourage um megan fox dating machine gun kelly <laughs> versus tilda swinton as an asian man it's true thank you for bringing up um this tilda swinton problem right mm -hmm. the tilda swinton issue <laughs> which uh I do think people forget about when they uh, just love on Tilda Swinton because yeah. you have to make a choice as an actor. You don't have to play every part. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's important, important information, I guess. And given, given what I've just said, I will have to go with Megan Fox, you know, who has given us so much, has given us so much in terms of bisexual representation, even if she's dating this person. What yeah. can I say? It's like the Angelina Jolie of the new era. Mm. Um, you know, remember that moment Angelina Jolie was like wearing that vial of blood from what's his face? Billy Bob Thorne. Billy Bob's blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. She wrote on her wedding dress in blood, I think, for when she married Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah. I mean, this bitch is like real blood obsessed. But, you yeah. know, I feel like this Megan Fox machine gun Kelly thing, it's it's just, you know, a really like freaky bisexual top fam representation what are you gonna do you can't control what kind of bottom you get sometimes you're just <laughs> you're just there in the media i mean every generation really needs a chaotic bisexual to stand beside and and so i'm happy that megan fox is here doing this now for the youth yeah why not for the for the youth lol <laughs> <laughs> the kids are like no please don't <laughs> the youth is us which we are not we're not the youth that's true all right uh, okay medium, medium. i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to you with one all right so what would you keep as one song playing on loop forever enya's only time or sid the kid's special affair <sighs> hard it's a hard one Kala. i'm gonna go with enya only because i've lived with enya for so long it seems hard to go without them now and i did not know about sid until you know the last maybe 10 years all right it's i really mean i hard. do feel like only time might drive someone to madness but i hear what you're saying oh it definitely will but maybe that's what we're going for. Yeah, perhaps madness is the remedy. <laughs> See, I'm taking on my Scorpio role. <gasps> All right. Um, okay. <laughs> Gala. Would you rather keep as cultural canon B. Arthur's pantsuits 
or Megan Mullally's voice? Listen, everyone knows I'm going to have to go with B. Arthur's pantsuits. Even though Megan Mullally has given us a lot, actually, you know. Yeah. And it's always such a pleasure to hear her or see her in a show. It's true. It's true. And you know immediately you recognize her, her, that, that voice. Hmm? Yeah. You know, they're both family. It's true. It's true. I don't know if a lot of people know that who are listeners. I feel like Megan Mullally is like pretty vocal about her bisexuality, but yeah, I don't know about B. Arthur. And B. Arthur was a dyke. Yeah. Which makes sense. Big sense. Big shoulders. And sense. Big shoulder pads, baby. <laughs> baby. All right. Okay. All right. What's next? What's next? All right. Hold on. Let me try to move my hand with this dog's head on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. One image floating above the lesbian canon. <laughs> Catherine the Great fucking a horse. Or Georgia O'Keeffe's painted pussies. Yes, I know that they were flowers. Everyone knows they're flowers, okay? <laughs> um, I feel like even though it's symbolic, the applied lack of consent around Cat- Katarina the Great fucking a horse means that I must, I, I'm duty bound to support the painted pussies as the one banner to rule us all. What can I say? All right. Well, the Scorpio wins this round. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to get into like, um, this is like corny gross axis, but like it's close enough. Kind of. I don't really know what's happening. We're going to find out. Um, Minnie Riverton's classic ice cream melting album cover, right? She's in some overalls. Holding an ice cream cone that is melting down her hand. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Or Classic. Uh, There's something gay about it. Something gay. Um, <laughs> wet fingers. Sticky. Um, and then there's Katie Lang's syllabic constant craving. Can you tell mm-hmm. me what you meant by that? Just like the amount of syllables in her constant craving. I felt like it was the same as an ice cream dripping. You know, maybe this is like a real like... Like Torian, like sensual moment, but it's just like that one ice cream drip, you know, like down the hand, mm-hmm. and just Katie Lang's craving. <laughs> it's it's so long that craving, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm still a little sad. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so tell us Wait, why are you sad? I'm just sad that... No, why are you sad? Tell me now. <laughs> the Pee Wee Herman's Christmas special dress, the homophobic dress that they put Katie Lang in. Katie Lang didn't make the those final dresses. Cut. That was just like her, like, there's like, it's like, it's like her, it's like her butch country camp journey. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, and also Canadian. And Canadians sometimes make interesting choices because they're not like us. We think they are, but they're not. They're a different country and it's they make true. wild choices with their denim. Okay. It's and sometimes true. that denim is like pinafored and patched and kind of a jamboree situation. Well, and the gender expression um, is weird too. And all we need to do is remember better than chocolate. <laughs> you know, do we need to remember that? No, we can actually forget it. <laughs> 
Okay, wait, let me come back. All right, I think I'm gonna go with I'm. You know what? I'm gonna go with Minnie Ripperton on that one. I'm gonna commit. Wow. I'm gonna commit like a, a, a like a dyke a dyke faux pas, and I'm gonna choose someone who is not out as far as we know. Mm. Um, because I think that that album cover has sustained me more than constant craving has. But, and I know this is different for other queers, especially butches, butches love that song. I don't know why. I don't either. I think butch, but I think that there's a certain part of a certain segment of the butch population that is very much like, this is what we got. So we're just going to take it and like it. No, I don't think I don't. I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, culturally. Yes. Yes, there is a segment like this, but I don't think that is the segment that I'm speaking of. Mm. I think I'm speaking of a different butch segment that is particularly drawn to a kind of like intense wistfulness. Mm. Like it's sort of like it doesn't, you know, and there are often people who might even be more interested in like a hard exterior, like a stealthness, Mm. but there's something about Katie Lang's like voice, that high pitch, the tension, the yearning, and the fact that Katie Lang, you know, is still very, you know, outside of the jamboree dress crime, um, was also like in that barber's chair with, you know, um, Cindy Crawford and kind of the epitome of female masculinity. Um, so having someone who can embody both, whose voice is such a like fine glass of desire. Mm. Do you think- I guess I do know why. I guess I do know why, but just love it. I've just yeah. explained it to you. <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking about like um, Judy Grahan and like just talking about ceremonial dykes and like Katie Ling is, uh, and like the idea of like you'd put on all these affectations and then make sure that something about you gave away that not like that, right? Like having like a high pitched voice, but then dressing really butch, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's something about like, no, 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 no. This is actually like an enhanced presentation of something that you don't get to name. Like this is not mm-hmm. an imitation of a cis dude. This is something mm-hmm. else entirely. It's like a little, like a little slit in the portal mm-hmm. or like a wind goes through. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Whistles. A little, lis- <laughs> a little lisping. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you get to keep only one. This is part of the spooky access. Okay. Um, one image to haunt your days. <sighs> oh, no. Audrey Hepburn in the children's <sighs> hour. Jodie Foster in the panic room. Children's hour is too painful. I have to do Jodie Foster in the panic room. A Scorpio wins again. (laughs) Don't worry. They will be pitted against (laughs) each other. All right. Classic 90s crushable moments. I guess one of them's 80s, actually. Michelle Pfeiffer holding out for a cool rider or Demi Moore fucking a ghost. This is actually the horny, <laughs> horny, spooky axis, like encapsulated with ghost fucking. Yeah. It's also truly like, this is truly um, like, like peak Taurus Scorpio tension. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, the truth is, 
that Michelle Pfeiffer will always win for me. Same. Always. Same. Because she is that that scene, that cool writer scene is such a root. <laughs> Deep. It is indelible from my queerness watching <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer on the top of that ladder, yeah. just grinding away, talking about how she wants to be <laughs> ridden through and through. It's like, okay. Same. <laughs> you driving, Michelle? <laughs> yeah, she's not driving. That's okay. For her, I, I would get a motorcycle license. Let me tell you what. <laughs> To this day. Fair, fair. Cool. To All right. this day. <clears throat> okay. All right. <sighs> okay. Now my question to you, Rose. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, I'm going to bring up the fact that in the past, you have noted that there's just, quote, <laughs> something about Jessica Lang. No more details. Um, our, our Taurus, which Supreme. And also, <gasps> mm -hmm. you've noted that Piper Parabo <laughs> is, quote, the one with the hawk. Lesbians of a medium or older age will know what we mean when we say Piper Parabo, the one with the hawk. Although I will also say Piper Parabo, the one with the hawk, the one with Felicity, the one in the pink suit. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, given, you know, our little Scorpio transformer, she's always changing shape, changing routines, changing where she shows up. You never know where you're going to see Piper Parabo next. Mm. Who is the keeper? I just feel like Piper Parabo has actually routinely let us down, and Jessica Ling has often been the only watchable part of anything she's in, and therefore, because there's just something about her, I'm bringing Jessica Ling to the final countdown. Whoa. I want to just find out what you mean by Piper Parabo has let us down. So Lost and Delirious, actually gay. Very depressing. Trigger warning, suicide, right? Second mm -hmm. one, Coyote Ugly, queer baiting, not even bisexual. What else? What's the one with Felicity? I don't even know. It's Felicity. Wasn't she in Felicity? No. You're thinking of the Power Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. Amy Jo Johnson, that's her name. Wow, I'm glad you know her name off the bat. I really do. impressive. I really just put those two white women in the same spot, and I was like, they're the same, but they're not the same. They have I'm similar sorry. facial structures, though. I can see it. They both have like, they like, like a vibe. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. And the only reason I know Amy Jo Johnson's name is because I had rewatch a lot of Felicity. <laughs> wow. That song. Um, okay. Well, listen, we are ready for the final countdown. Now, Gala, the way that this round works is actually very similar. You're going to start by pitting two people, two of these moments against each other, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea is you choose one or the other. Whichever one gets chosen advances to the next round. Whichever one gets lost is lost in time forever and basically whatever becomes the super horny spooky moment will go up against a final boss that will be revealed okay yeah do you want to go first or second 
Ooh, I like them first. Okay. Rose, yeah. the free Winona movement mm-hmm. or Megan Fox dating Machine Gun Kelly? Free Winona movement. Sorry, Megan. Scorpio wins again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gala. Free Winona movement or listening to Only Time by Enya on loop? Listening to Only Time by Enya on loop. Wow. Goodbye, Free Winona, huh? Okay. Rose, yeah. listening to Only Time by Enya on loop or B. Arthur's pantsuits? I'm going with B. Arthur's pantsuits. All right. Two Taurus wins in a row. <laughs> All right. B. Arthur's pantsuits or Georgia O'Keefe's painted pussies? This is a tough one for Gala. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I be, do you think this would be hard for Samantha and I as well? Yes, it would be really hard for Samantha and I, but I feel like Samantha and I would go with B. Arthur's pantsuits. And I feel like I have this intense devotion to Georgia O'Keeffe that is like, I mean, it's more to her landscapes, I would say, than her flowers. But regardless, I cannot ignore the truth in my heart. So Georgia O'Keeffe must win. That makes sense. Okay, Rose. Georgia O'Keeffe's painted pussies or Minnie Riperton's melting ice cream cover? Georgia O'Keeffe. <laughs> Goodbye, Minnie. Loved you. Wash your hands. Scorpio. <laughs> Success. All right. Georgia O'Keeffe and her painted flowers. <laughs> Jodie Foster and Panic Room. I actually feel like that's the same picture, but I... <laughs> Scorpio and Scorpio. Um, You know, let's give Jodie Foster a win. Wow. Let's just give Jodie Foster a win. Wow. Sorry, Georgia. But you know what? We like your other stuff better. Yeah. Plus, I just, you know, I just want to bring Jodie Foster into the conversation. I feel like Jodie Foster has given us a lot more than we can, like, ever truly acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of like generosity and substance there. Right? And I feel like I feel like Jodie Foster has secretly raised some babies, you know, in the and not so secretly. Case Stu was in Panic Room at eleven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, it wasn't. It wasn't the gay Panic Room. Nobody was getting killed in there and getting away with it. <laughs> Every day is the gay Panic Room. I mean, these <laughs> days, jeez, terrifying world. Jodie Foster in Panic Room. Yes. Or Jessica Lange's something about her. <laughs> I, I, I got to stick with Jodie. Sorry, Jessica. Jodie's a known dyke, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, now it's my turn to ask you, right? Mm-hmm. Woo! Getting, getting toasty in here. All right, Jodie Foster in Panic Room or Michelle Pfeiffer holding out for a cool rider? Dude. Michelle Pfeiffer holding out for a cool rider 100% all the time. Always going to win. All right. Farewell, final Scorpio. South noted. I also want to take this moment to talk about um, the media that um, God, I'm such a dyke Instagram brought to our attention regarding Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, in an interview between Elle Fanning, Michelle Pfeiffer, 
and um, Angelina Jolie, where Angelina Jolie talks about having a crush on Michelle Pfeiffer mm-hmm. and the cool writer scene in particular. It's true. It's I true. just want everyone to know that that exists, that it's real, yep. and that it's so resonant, it almost hurt me. Okay. Yeah. That's, I'm so happy for you. Well, guess what, Rose? It's finally my turn to ask this final question, the final countdown, the final showdown. And guess what? I have a surprise um, (laughs) contender. Uh So here it is. You think think Michelle Pfeiffer just holds the key, right? She's got that Taurus energy going strong. We're in the North Node eclipse phase. It's lighting up the space. No, because here comes another Taurus. And you know what she wants? What? Control. Oh. <laughs> and a lot of it. Tell us more. <laughs> okay. So what do you keep? Michelle Pfeiffer straddling a ladder, singing about her cool rider, or Janet Jackson's interlude on Velvet Rope, where she's calling up Lisa Marie Presley and definitely talking while jerking off. <sighs> I mean, they're both really horny, but arguably the Janet Jackson interlude is more sapphic in nature, so I'm going to go for that. I mean, there's nothing that can beat that moment in time, I think. So really, Janet Jackson, as always, a clear winner forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. And and there's really no no queer no queer agent (laughs) we can talk about after Janet. So we might as well talk about the stars. We might as well just kind of wrap it up because there's a lot going on, and also all the advice in the world isn't going to help any of us. We just have to stay present and adapt and adjust, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, so let's see what's happening today. It's May 10th, Jupiter moving into Aries. Mercury stationing retrograde in Gemini. It's going to go back to 26 degrees Taurus, which if alarm bells are ringing for you, that's because that is, that's the angle, that's the angle of the eclipse. Mm-hmm. 26 Taurus. Scorpio. Just- just everything, everywhere, all at once. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I feel like the best advice is like go slow and take care of yourself and don't think that y- you know what's going on yet because I don't think any of us are going to know for another month. <laughs> no. I mean, and even then, yeah. I just think that there's a lot unfolding simultaneously, yeah. you know, yeah. which is what, you know, I think that's what scorpio that's kind of the magic that scorpio brings to space right and you're bringing the south node magic in so Mm -hmm. south node a lot is also what you bring in what you already know yeah it's true it's true right so that south node is constantly at work Mm -hmm. unfolding all these different worlds and possibilities that have been traveling with us and it's up to that taurus energy to stabilize us in each one and to position us and show us the way forward yeah well, but then there's also this tension that's brought it, you know, 
there's an eclipse coming up, which this will come out either right before or like within the day or two after it. Um, that's on at like midnight on Monday, right? So like late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Um, <clears throat> and that is at the, it's around 25 degrees. So it's going to be also squaring Saturn in Aquarius, which is mm -hmm. around 24 degrees, right? And so there is kind of this tension where it, you can't, I think we'd be remiss to look at any kind of conflict or challenge in our life as just something personal. There's a transpersonal element. There's something about community impact. There's something about responsibility. There's also something about um, maybe some restrictions we don't want to have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. And it also brings in, I think, a challenge to us as humans who are trying to grow, right? Trying mm -hmm. to meet the world where it's at, which is um, a challenge that has to do with thick sign. I guess like, I want to say the word evolution, but I don't want it to have the same, you know, like I don't want it to be kind of like, now we're talking about quote evolution and who's evolved and who's not. I guess what I'm saying is there is, um, there's a lot to be said for the developed Scorpio wisdom that can be brought into a space that has to do with getting that eagle's eye view, mm, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to be said for um, a Torian's secret power mm -hmm. to actually take not a lot personally. Yeah. You know, Tauruses can move into the space that they know is meant for them mm -hmm. and mind their fucking business. Yeah, but I think that that Saturn in Aquarius is... <laughs> It's going to interrupt that. Right. But it doesn't necessarily need to interrupt it, right? It could just bring tension and yeah. that tension can be a moment of inquiry. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, and I think that there's also something about needing to bring generosity or heart into it, because if we're looking at a T-square, then it's missing the Leo leg. Right. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we can get very focused on what's mine and protecting what's mine and getting what's mine or like what is owed me and how do I get that or what do I owe you or what do I owe the community? Um, but then, you know, it can very easily kind of like morph into this extractive or transactional or kind of like inhumane manifestation, mm -hmm. particularly with Saturn and Aquarius evolved. Right. It's like, oh, we let an algorithm decide what's fair, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is something about like trying to bring a little warmth, a little playfulness, or at least like a little bit of, I think just like uh, there's, there's something other than the material world and there's something other than the co social codes at play, you know, but I'm For sure. I mean, there's so many different ways, right. Yeah. To hold, to hold like fixed sign wisdom. Yeah. Because I'm also thinking about the way that like, you know, you're speaking of Lee and I and generosity. And mm -hmm. I'm also thinking of like Lee and I and like selfishness and pride, sure. yeah, which is the, actually the opposite of those words. Right. But they actually coexist mm -hmm. in Leo people. Like they are very, very generous. They are the heart of the Zodiac, but yeah. there is something to be said on the, on the flip side of those descriptions of actually being generous enough to grant people a kind of humanity, right? Yeah. So outside the the kind of cultural codes and mores and expectations that Saturn might bring into a space, especially with an Aquarian kind of distance that might, you know, kind of downplay the human element mm -hmm. 
or make it so that the human element is so collective and shared that it doesn't necessarily um, equate to a good enough reason, (laughs) you know, like we're all suffering. (laughs) We're all having a hard time, you know? And I feel like there is a Leonine element that goes like, I, we are each the main character of our own story. I am having a hard time. Yeah. 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 Which like, I think can be valuable, especially if, if we're overwhelmed by collective crisis. Right. Like, I think that sometimes it is important to focus back in on like you, what you need, what you have access to, what you can do and not get like so lost in the sauce as it were. Yeah. Don't get, that's a really, just don't get lost in the sauce. Scan it, print it, publish it. If you want to, if you want to enjoy the sauce, enjoy the sauce. If you want to stir the sauce, stir the sauce. That's actually the other Scorpio and Taurus axis is enjoy the sauce, stir the sauce. (laughs) Which also is like, you know, then if we want to talk about stirring the pot, then we're more in this Mercury retrograde in Gemini, right? And Mm -hmm. kind of gossip and its material consequences, I would say. Now you're now you're putting a little spice in the sauce, <laughs> <laughs> a little zest. But right, like Mercury and Gemini, that's like that's lateral talk, right? That's sharing information mm-hmm. among peers, which is is vital. And also, if if there's not a lot of discretion, if there's not a lot of discernment, um, if there's, you know, I would say that like, if you're talking, expect it to get back. So be sure that like you're putting your whole chest in it. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's part of this, like the way that information is shared socially and then like how it affects the subject, right? I mean, I think what you're bringing in, right? So you're, I think what you're doing with um, these Mercury notes is you're kind of bringing in uh, some of this dichotomy again, right? Yeah. Um, the dichotomy in the square and the T-square because, you know, we're, talking about a collective information if you're thinking about aquarius and saturn like aquarius also holds information holds the mind and then um when you're thinking about scorpio you're thinking about secrets uncovering underneath a lot of tacit things things that are unsaid and then when you have Taurus, you have a lot of integrity a lot of trust loyalty right so there are a couple of things at play here too and when you have leo you do have a lot of relationship a lot of strengthening of bonds Mm -hmm. and and also protectiveness yeah with the mercury energy around gemini when it's in retrograde if we're talking about what it means to move through integrity while having like moving with integrity with the Taurus North node in mind while maybe, you know, harboring things that might not be your business or might not be somebody's business Mm -hmm. or might have a lot more power and impact and influence and change somebody's reputation than you are aware of. Right. There is this element of, um, the, the sort of the, the mercurial, mm, tendency, Mm-hmm. to build intimacy through information. Mm-hmm. And this is a, it's an instinct, right? And I think it's a very human instinct. Um, what brings us closer is that we share something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 
I, I create a, uh, like a, I create a bridge of meaning between us. This, this bridge like ties us together, strengthens our bond and weakens your, and weakens your bond with somebody else or (laughs) makes like makes a circle of us, makes us into a small community, makes us into a coven, makes us into a magic spell. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth um, about mercurial power is that it is a spell. What you say out loud is a kind of spell. So when you think about what you're saying out loud, what you're sharing, especially things that might be private, might be secret, might have power. Yeah. Try to be very, very, very clear with yourself about why you're sharing the information that you're sharing. Mm-hmm. What your ultimate goal is for your spell. Yeah. Well, because if what you're sharing, right, is just to share, <laughs> to yeah, unload, yeah. maybe you need to think about, well, what will happen after mm-hmm. that? Or, or who, who do you need to be sharing that with too? Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's for you, if it's to unburden something that is too long to carry, like there are some avenues where receiving that information will be really painful. And there are some where it'll kind of be unrelated. Right? <laughs> like There's some people who can just be like, sure, I'll hear that. And then be like, okay, cool. Right. But I think that it's all, it's all in one, like just yeah. thinking about, why yeah yeah, (laughs) you know so the why the who is a part of the why like why why am i telling rose this private information about this other person who rose knows but peripherally and would never get in any other way yeah 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 (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) yeah and i think it also a thing that you kind of alluded to but that i wanted to mm, just explicitly state is that there can be a mercurial and particularly I think a Gemini tendency to kind of trivialize information. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think that like the Taurus energy that we're being led back to, to like reconsider whatever kind of messes we make in this is much more intentional. And I think like puts usually a lot, a, a lot more emphasis and like weight to their words, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like Mercury mm-hmm. and Taurus doesn't really pop off or flit about in the same kind of way. No. Yeah. Oof. They don't mince. No, they don't mince. So be careful, practice your apologies and really mean it if you if you have to, you know, if you find yourself in a situation. Because the other thing is the point that that Mercury retrogrades too is very close to a trine with Pluto, which means that Mercury has trined Pluto three times, right? Mm-hmm. Over the course of this. I mean, the third time hasn't happened yet. Neither has the second, but the first time has happened, right? So there's something about like digging into some dirt and then like sharing around it and then actually being confronted with the impact and then having to decide like, ooh, do I actually need to... <laughs> try to rebury this thing or like can I even and if so then like all right well now I have to confront this in a real way right because Jupiter magnifies right Mm, and also Jupiter slipping into Aries Mm -hmm. means that sometimes Jupiter is going to magnify kind of heedlessly yeah and very boldly yeah so yeah you're totally right like again and I come back to the spell aspect like what if what you're sharing it's going to have a much more intense impact than you are giving it credit for. What if you think that you are just creating intimacy between you and a new queer friend? What if you're like, Oh my God, what if I tell you this gossip? <laughs> and then we can like just bond over like da 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 da, you know? Yeah. And then what you're actually doing is really compromising somebody's safety. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and, and the last thing that I'll touch on with that is that um, Jupiter and Mercury already had a sextile at the end of Pisces and Taurus. And then they're actually going to sextile two more times with this time between Gemini and Aries, which like mm, air and fire spread. Right. So it's also like something that you think is just between you and a close confidant might not be. Mm-hmm. So again, doubling down on like, this is a spell and like, am I prepared to unleash this to the world? Am I prepared to stand behind this materially? Should it spread far beyond like the reach that I wished it to? <laughs> no, you got to keep it behind the velvet rope. Yeah. <sighs> Call back. <laughs> oh, and with that, I mean, I think that's all the help we can give y'all. Be careful. Wait, wait a day. Wait three days. Wait three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you know what we're you know first of all nobody really asked for our help, but should you come here for help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like these are uh, suggestions, right? That have to do with best practice, especially when it comes to um, integrity around your word, right? Yeah. And connection. Yes. But just because we're telling you to be intentional and careful doesn't mean you got to stop having fun, no. right? Just, just make sure that your fun is about pleasure mm-hmm. for yourself rather than pleasure through somebody else's say misery. <laughs> true, true, true. You know, go ahead and call your brother's girlfriend and ask her where the parties are popping off while yeah. you gently touch yourself. Why not? <laughs> okay, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You know, go ahead and let somebody know that you've been thinking about going on a date with them. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the kind. It's it's more just like, and this again is trying to heed the Scorpio Taurus nodal advice, and that's like, is it your business or not? And if it's not your business, exclusively your business, then probably you shouldn't be sharing it. Yeah. And if it's risky business, but it's your business, maybe you need to get into it. Yeah. With a little consent. <laughs> Yeah, just ask. Just ask. Well, Gala, I think that's the best we can do for people, and I think we've thoroughly talked. What do you think? I think that you are correct. We've thoroughly talked. (laughs) I think we really executed our plan. Yeah, we really executed it. And we'll find out what the results are, and so will you all. Is there anything else you want to share anywhere you want people to find you? Anything you're doing that you're exciting about? Excited about? I'm exciting about lots of things are exciting about me, but it's private. (laughs) Um, I want to share that waffles are scorpionic and pancakes are Torian. Yes. Discuss Mm -hmm. um, in the comments. And I want to share that... I'm just a person. Yeah. <laughs> just a person, just a person <laughs> in the world working on 5 million projects. Um, yeah. And that I'm really excited about them all. And I will share more as they come to fruition. That sounds good. Sounds great. Thanks. What Mom. about you, Rose? Um, I'm giving my first public lecture on May 21st as part of the Emerging Astrologers Summit. Um, those organized by 
Kira Taborn, uh, the astrology and the 11th house. So that's very exciting. Um, giving a talk about gay stuff, basically. But mostly as um, the psychopomp and trickster as a queer role and the inherent sacred nature of queer and trans people that is also historical and cultural and the way that losing connection to that has made it pretty hard for most of these mainstream squares to figure out how to navigate things like Mercury retrograde and Uranus oppositions and how a little queer wisdom can go a long way to navigating those threshold experiences. Wow. Listen, don't you want to know what Rose is talking about? So do I. So I better get back to work on it. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I know what I'm going to say. Everybody tune in. Why not? Tune in. It's free. And then if you are a well-moneyed dyke, then buy an all-access pass because then we get paid. But if you are not, you can still show up, hang out, check it out. It should be fun. There's going to be five lectures. And other than that, yeah. Still taking on new clients, still have gift cards. I guess I'm going to see if I can find my passport in case um, my house burns down. So, okay. That um, sounds nice. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> but <laughs> that's nice, dear. <laughs> I love you, Gala. Um, I, I hope we still have a house the next time we talk. Um, I hope so too, because I have to come through. Exactly. Exactly. That Adirondack chair is waiting for you. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Good night forever. Bye. Good night. Bye. Big Dyke Energy is mixed and recorded by Rose Blakelock and features original theme music by Knight of Cups. The article in Mountain Astrologer is by Akuta Bravadas. When Angelina Jolie wed Johnny Lee Miller in March of 1996, she wore a pair of black rubber pants and a t-shirt with his name in blood, and Kristen Dunst was 17 in Drop Dead Gorgeous.